It's time for Wrestling with Sports, the only podcast with two Major League Baseball All-Stars. Dimitri Young, who is not here. Jason Kindle, who is. One four-time Stanley Cup winner, Darren McCarty. And one guy who I am so thankful took time out of his day to be a guest on the show, who I've been a major fan of. Every time he was on any podcast, whether it's the Crab Feast or whatever, I made sure to listen to it. And then I reached out to him one day, didn't have to talk to me, and we've been friends since. It's Court McCown. Court, thank you so much. And we'll get to your credentials and what you're doing here. That's right. In a second. See, I, see but- I'm like enamored already because you got four Stanley Cups. You got it all star. You got it all right here. I the know. hardest trophy to win in sports, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I have a podcast award too. Does that court? Thank you so much for being here. But I'm going to tell you what my favorite part, Dennis, and I'll be quiet and I will shut up because no, I'm yeah. actually it's a huge okay. fan of court. But my favorite part of his opening, whatever he says, is four time Stanley. I, I'm telling you what. So what you just said, how hard and difficult it is. This dude did it four times, and that's my dude. That's the shit. It's the fucking greatest. I remember when the Kings won in twelve. And the Kings won in 14. And Dennis hooked me up with fucking press passes for 14. And I got to watch the fucking Stanley Cup. And it was, to me, it's just like, I mean, I lost my voice the fucking next day. And I wasn't, you know, it's just the greatest fuck. To me, like, I played baseball my whole life. I played football. I played, you know, I did all kinds of shit. I still play golf. But the fucking hockey is I got to be honest. Hockey's my fucking love. You know, it's my love. We can't hear you, D-Mac. Yeah, I, D-Mac, I'm going to buy on. you a computer for Christmas. I promise you. But You're the mute. main right. thing of this whole is, is the fact that I am such a huge hockey fan, too. And when I got I had this big old I, I had this about D-Mac getting ready because he was going to come on the show as a uh, as a guest. And next thing I know, I'm doing a show with him and I'm fired up because. I'm a huge fan of DMAC and the only thing DMAC needs is a computer so he can actually zoom because he's got his kids in the back all taking up all the internet stuff. But I was such a huge fan of DMAC court that I had all these you hear questions. Me? Down. I no. still yep. have yeah, them. No. Yay. Yep. Yay. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I still hey. have these questions down. Are you pumping my tires? <laughs> no, not at all. But I just want, I mean, it's, it's such a cool thing, but I'm just, all I'm saying is I'm going to get you a computer for Christmas. Thank you, brother. That's why I haven't moved from the phone because you're a man of your word. But court, my question is, is because you're such a fan and to have experienced it in LA, you know, um, and back to back and like, what's it like as a fan of the team being, you know, uh, being an actor or stuff like that, you know, cause you go to the games and if I, we've talked about something like this, but yeah, the stars come out and hockey's a big thing in LA with the stars have a little background about that experience and like what got you into the hockey you loved about. I know you love the fighting, but, but you know what? It's funny. It's like, I, you know, I just found that like, I grew up in Oklahoma. So I, there was, we had Oklahoma city blazers hockey. And I think they were a Bruins farm team back in the seventies and early eighties. And so I was like, that was nothing but a brawl. I mean, it was, you know, 50 cent beers and fights in the stands as well as on the ice. And when I came out to L.A., I mean, we had Gretzky. I mean, it was like this crazy time in L.A. for hockey. And it's like, and it just grew. And like to be a fan of 
to be a fan of hockey, especially the Stanley Cup, because, you know, it's it are all seven game series. There's no two out of three. They're all seven game series. And especially in 14, when we won so many, you know, we were down three and oh, three times. And to come back and win yeah. and come back and win that was just it was electrifying. I mean, just electrifying to win that, win that cup. I mean, it's just hockey's just, there's something about it. And also there's something about like, even as a, as a Dodgers fan and is, you know, being a, a fan, it's like, there's something about when you get to the playoffs, when it's like, it's the, you, you win the whole fucking thing, man, you're winning the whole thing. It's not, you're not getting there. You took to, to come out on top. It, there's nothing like it. Hey, hey D-Mac, I want to ask a question for court. <laughs> what did you do the four times you had the cup? I don't know. I can't remember how long it was that you have it, but any cool things you could tell him and our listeners yeah. what you did with the cup when you had your personal time with it? This is for you, Jay. 17 and a half beers will bubble it over dome where, you know, the beer and you can't get the whole 18th beer in there. You cannot. It is impossible. It's been tried. It's been tried. It's been tried. 17 and a half and you get the, and you know when it does that little like raised igloo bubble thing, but you ask anybody else, it's 35 pounds. You know, the, the, the best part, like we could talk about what we did with it. No, we can't actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, um, the, what we did with it, uh, but the best part for me was at the end of the night, no matter what shenanigans, the thing's full of booze, like it's sticky, it's everything, and you're in the shower alone, and you're looking at this thing, and you're going through the imperfections, and you're looking at all the names that have come before you, and even, you know, so when you see your name on it already, like before your name's on it, and then you actually see your name on it because you got it again, that's a, it's a crazy feeling. My... My question right back, which will tag on to this accord, is is do you still have people that you went to the games with or that are the fans that that you guys still talk about it? Because obviously, you know, like it's an experience that you got through as fans together. And, and also, too, you know what it's like to win as a Kings fan. How does your Dodgers fan in you balance that to be able to keep saying? Because if I'm a Dodgers fan, right fucking cheaters beat me right and then they're going yeah. out and they're going to prove it today like you know what i'm saying like it's how do the dichotomy of being an la sports fan and a, and a diehard like that so at least is it easier because you've experienced a championship with the hockey or the basketball so that the baseball's you know it's coming or like i think i think it's i think it's different for each one because your love for you know I think that I think baseball, especially Dodger, is the Dodger fans. It's like there's been plenty of success with the Dodgers over the years. I mean, there's just been there's you know the Kirk Gibson. You know, I never I remember watching the Kirk Gibson home run. You know, I remember like I remember all that, but I'll never forget the playoff game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and it was me and we were at Sebastian Maniscalco's house. And there was me, uh, Mike Faberman, another comic, Chris D'Elia, Ahmed Ahmed, and I, God, there was, I, mean, I think Mike Young. There was a whole bunch of us were over at Sebastian's house watching the game. It was game seven, and uh, we in it, and they scored to go into overtime. And we were all doing spots at the improv right around the corner. And I'll never forget, like, we ran to the improv on the intermission 
So, and we made him turn the game on at the improv so we could watch the game backs, you know, when we were waiting to go on stage. And then uh, Sebastian went on stage and he's a huge Blackhawks fan. And Martinez scored the goal in overtime to take us to the Stanley Cup finals. And when Sebastian was coming off stage, I was walking on stage and I was like, fuck you, we won. And, ah, and, and it was just like, and it was just like his face. He was so upset. Court, tell him the story that you just told us off the air about you and your motorcycle and, and the 110. Because the one thing that these two won't know is the, the freeways out there. One, okay, yes, like I say a freeway out here in Kansas and, and, and the, oh, there's traffic. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. Please tell him this is how big of a hockey fan he is, he is DMX, that, that story that you just told us. Yeah, so I was, so Dennis had got me press passes for the Stanley Cup finals. And I was doing the, Ice House Comedy Club in Pasadena that weekend with Sebastian. And I wasn't going to miss the games. The games were at like five o'clock. And so, but we didn't, our first show wasn't till eight o'clock. So I would go to the game. I would ride my motorcycle down, park next to the Staples Center in the press lot, watch as much of the game as I could so that I would time it so I could run out the doors, jump on my bike, hit the 110 freeway, at right and and land at the ice house right at eight o'clock so that right so that I could check in and tell him I was there. The MC would go on, do 10 minutes, and I would literally be coming down from this game high when I was like walking on stage uh for the shows. And they're all, you know, it was Sebastian, so they're all packed, sold out. And I was just it was just like going from one high to another. It was awesome. So were you that guy on the one ten highway that like right just and you know and also you know Every people you, you know that. the traffic is insane you know and i'm in between cars going 60 just hauling ass just trying to get to the the club in time beautiful cypress hill that's what i think i think of you every time you know that, that, that's awesome, though, but that, you know, not only speaks to your passion as a comic, but also to your passion as a sports fan. <laughs> You're right. So that was, uh, Dennis, yeah, I know you've no. got questions. We'll let you talk now because we usually don't. And D-Mac and me, we both interrupt, but uh, I, don't I, even, have another, I have uh, about I, 20 of them. I don't even need to talk because this is one of the greatest moments for me because I'm, I'm doing it with two people I call friends who are accomplished athletes. Court, who I am a fan of, it, like I said at the top of the podcast, uh, you know, everything from Teen Wolf to Can't Buy Me Love to a stand-up stuff, I found him through a random podcast. I can call him a friend. This is the first time I've actually found a great reason to bring him on the podcast because, A, his stand-up comedy. Darren McCarty is a stand-up comedian. Athletes. No, I, I, I'm not, Dennis. I'm not hey. a freaking comedian. I'm not a musician just because I have a band. I'm an entertainer. Please, don't don't <laughs> disgrace these professionals. I got to say, though, I got I got to ask. I got to ask. Entertainer. I got to ask. The name of the yeah. band struck me as weird. Grinder, As you know, that is an app. Yep. <laughs> That is out there, and I but just if you I, look, you look. The band was first, and you know that it takes a lot of money to fund <laughs> these tours. So the fact that we came to an agreement that maybe the band's funded by the app, uh, but the logo. No hey, listen, grinder, so. hey, listen. Selling out is <laughs> selling out is NHL. selling out. Yeah, if you can sell out, well, I learned that from. 
a few comedians, bro. I've been, yeah. I've been, I've been out there. Uh, um, you mentioned Sebastian. Uh, I, I do go around with guys in Michigan. Uh, I don't know if you know, like Ziggy Klatt and Kevin Zioli and Sweet Ron Sweet and stuff like that. So these guys, I, I just like. I go out there and tell hockey stories and, you know, awesome. jokes here and there and stuff like that. But it's, it, I love watching and, and being able to talk to you and, and like, to, so to see your mind work and to know a little bit, cause I, if you, so wrestling with sports, right. This long story short, I'm the storyline guy in the, in as long as the storyline works, it's good. So when I see that and I see you in your, in the profession, like, that's why I say I'm an entertainer, dude. I'm not a comic. I'm out there trying to, like, I'm a student of life and, and to watch somebody. You're because, an entertainer you know, who fought so and is a fourth time. But do you realize, you realize, though, that, like, I remember when Rowdy Roddy Piper was coming to the comedy store and, and uh, he would come on stage. He'd come on Monday nights, Sunday nights and Monday nights are, are uh, called potluck. And he would come on and he would come on stage and he would just tell stories and he would just tell stories yeah, for like yeah. 15, 20 minutes and people fucking loved it, man. They loved it. So there, it, you know, entertainment is entertainment. It's if it's, if it's, it, yeah, it's, yeah. he was a funny guy, you know, if it's like, it's a, he was a funny guy. So if you can find a place to go up and tell great, you know, hockey stories, I mean, I got two really good buddies Absolutely. that are retired hockey players, Sheldon Saray and Brant Myers. Yeah. And and Brant yep. is Brant's oh, a great dude. And uh Sheldon's a big dude and 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 Brant uh and Sheldon tells a story about one of his first times ever playing and they they knew each other. They'd known each other all through juniors and stuff and they both were in in hockey and Sheldon had to go out, basically had to go out and fight him. I mean, that was kind of that that's why he was there and he went out and took one fucking shot at him and he hit him and he broke his leg. And it was like, it's, it's like, that's a great story. I don't give a shit how, you know, I can't tell it well, but he, they, when they tell the story, it's a great story. It's an entertaining story. I don't care who you are. You'd love to hear it. That's, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, my, there. Yeah, but Jay, that, being, Sheldon, that is Sheldon, has, Sheldon has, has, has he ever uh, just fought, 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 fought. And then, had a winning goal, but bam, to win one of the four Stanley Cups. There goes D Mac again. So this is why lost he's lost his video. Court, I have a, a question that I've always wanted to ask you because I was I'm a, I've been a huge uh, uh, comic fan, comedian fan. Whatever, ever since I started playing wrestling and um, comedians is what it's how I kind of winded down after game. I mean, you're you're mm -hmm. play, you start at seven, you, you get done and. Yeah, and this was back in the, the the VCR era, so you know I'd have to set my timer, VCR when whether it be Comedy Central or whatever it may be or Raw, whatever would come on that. Yeah. And um, is that your passion? I guess is my first question. Um, is that why? Because you're a pretty damn good actor. You in some serious, some big time movies, whether it be uh, um, a short part or not. TV um, shows too. Some of my favorite movies that you know growing up. Uh, um, and watching but did you kind of just back off from acting because you wanted to be yeah i, I stand up is the greatest stand up is the greatest um i love it more than anything and that's why this this time we're in right now 
has been such so such a fucking piece of shit because you can't even the stand up that's that's out there now isn't real stand up you know it's not where you connect to cuz you know films and television and and even theater for that matter i've done all that stuff it's like even even that you're not really connecting to the audience and you're not really like what when you go into a club and you know, and you make a whole room laugh and have a good time. And like you go to go to the, one of your favorite movies, you know, you name your fate. You could name your favorite comedy of all time. And it's like and it's a two hour comedy or an hour, however long it is. Think about how many times in there you you actually belly laugh during a movie. And then think about a guy going on stage and doing a 20 minute or 25 minute set how many times you belly laugh through that. So to finish a show and, and be out front and have people come up and just say, Hey, you know, you made me forget about, or, or just, you made my night or you made my week or you, you know, whatever. And it's like, feeling. that is the greatest like feeling yeah. what whatsoever, you know, there, there's nothing that beats entertaining someone like that. And especially, you know, I'm a, I do stories. I don't do, you know, set up punch joke kinds of things. I tell stories and and about my life and um and so i love being able to do that on stage where there's nothing else around you and there's no you don't have a script you don't have a you know there's no set there's no you're it's just you and a mic yeah. and, and the audience now, do, and course, do you, as, a, as a comedian um and in your material and i listen we've had um several comedians on and um, do you like find yourself? Is it just kind of locked in, or like if you're just walking down the street, if you're walking down Sunset Boulevard, and you see something, do you write it down? Obviously, there's you know cell phones today, you can write, or do you just kind of remember and just kind of wing it? Or, or as far as that's good, everybody, everybody's different. Everybody does theirs differently, and like you know, I have. Um, you know, I, there's some stuff that you sit down. I don't sit down and just write like, you know, little things or, you know, um, like I can look at my phone right now and I probably have like some notes from some, um, you know, whatever it is like, uh, you know, yeah. Like what's remember the first time you heard your mom's real name, not mom, you know? And it's like, uh, and I wrote something down the other day. It's like, when I'm depressed, I go to a cemetery and cry. Nobody freaks out. You know, there's something there. You know, it's like, yeah, it, love it. I, was, I was just like thinking that there's got to be a way to, you know, um, you know, it's just, there's got to be ways to do it. But I think like, I'm the kind of person that I think of something and then I have to go on stage and work it out. Because gotcha. right. it's I, like, you can, write it all, you can write it all down. But I've written stuff down and then tried to do it, and it just fucking well, tanks. You talk about belly laughs. We were, uh, me and my wife were watching you today and, and kicking the kids and all the <laughs> kick the kids. Oh, yeah. hey, when everybody goes home tonight, you kick the kid, kick the kid in yeah. the face. When they start crying, say, you know what, Daddy loves you, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you what, I, I, <laughs> I, it's. And I don't have kids, and I and I still and people, about it. yeah, it's like I just don't get out. You can't get away. Like I was talking to somebody the other day and I was, and I was thinking like, I have a new thing I'm working on where it's like, you remember when you were a kid, well, all of us, when we were kids, there was always like someone on the, there was like some dude on the street that had permission to kick your ass. You know, if you fucked yeah, up, like, yeah. you know, where's that guy now? Like that guy's, yeah. that guy's in prison now, you know, cause yeah. it's like back then, man, it's like, if you fucked up and you know, 
Mr. Jones's yard, he had permission to kick your ass. And it's like, oh, and the flag football thing, perfect. Like, oh, hey, Johnny, I got you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I watched the whole thing. Yeah, you're fucked up now, man. One of, one of the <laughs> you know reasons, I, I don't think I can get any more. One yeah. of the reasons why I wanted you on was because we've had a couple guys on and we've tried to pick their brains about and this is before we hit this point, what's COVID going to do to the comedy scene? It was something we, Jason and I, were really interested in. Here we are now, and we're starting to see the fallout where a lot of great comedians are having to move out of L.A. back home, which I didn't even foresee that one happening, which should have been obvious. I didn't see it coming. And L.A. has been the the mecca of the rebirth of the comedy scene all over the United States. It, and a lot of these guys are going to have to go. And comedy, thankfully, is one of those places where if you're touring, you don't really have to live in L.A. because you can go to Arizona and go back to Philly or whatever. As we said, Steve Simone, who's one of uh, both of our good friends, yeah. is one of these casualties of what's going on now. Do you think you see a rebound where these guys will come back? Or is this going to be the evolution of comedy where – Maybe no longer is L.A. the mecca of comedy, but people are going to start going back home and touring more or figuring that out. Well, I, I think you're going to see, like, I mean, there's always going to be, because there's that a difference. That is like, evolution. Yeah. Well, see, it's like, well, you got to realize, like, L.A., there's, there's, two, there's, there's two types of clubs. There's headliner clubs, and then there's, like, local clubs. Like, like the comedy store is a different comic every 15 minutes in the OR and the main room. So that's, that's just the way it always has been, you know? And it's like, it's where you can, you can go in on a night and see Segura, Rogan, uh, D'Elia, you count, you can see all these guys back to back to back to back. And, you know, the lineup is stacked from top to bottom and where you go to Nashville, you know, and where there's great clubs, Zanies is one of the greatest clubs in the fucking country, you know, but Zanies on, you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night is a headliner club. So they've got somebody in from out of town that's coming in. So you can't really do that. So I think you're, you're going to see the guys that, you know, like Simone is temporarily in Florida. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, you've got some guys that have moved out. Theo Vaughn, you know, is in Nashville right now. You've got Rogan has moved to Austin. You've got Joey Diaz in Jersey. You've got some of these guys kind of spread out. But the comedy store is the comedy store. And it is a great fucking club it's maybe one of the greatest clubs in the country and it's like and then you have like new york which new york is the same way new york has the comedy cellar the stand you know it has um new york comedy club you know those are three phenomenal clubs in new york and they're the same way you know they're not they're not quote unquote headliner clubs they have different big comics that come in there and what everybody is in there doing is they're working out their material to take on the road Nobody sits down and writes out an hour of material and then just goes out on the road and does it. You know, even Bill Burr, one of my all-time favorite comics in the yes, world, yes. you know, Burr, Burr still works out his material in, you know, in, in venues before he takes it out to theaters. Court, will fans let you know, like, say you're working on something and- Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're you're gonna gonna say, they'll let you know it's shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So uh, I know uh, you got to bomb and before you can, and obviously figure out your material, but so they will, huh? Well, I mean, will yeah, it be but like- I mean, it's just like, but that's kind of the thing too, is, you know, you know, as you're doing it, it's like you go in, you know, you're in LA at the comedy store, you're doing spots in the original room. It's one of the hardest rooms in the world. It's just a difficult room. And it's like, if your shit works in the original room, your shit's going to work anywhere in the country. So you hone a great act in the OR or in the main room, you're set to go. You're set to go anywhere. We we talk a lot, especially with Dimitri, Jason, and, and DMAC, about what makes a good stadium, what makes good ice, what makes a good room. I think one is acoustics. I think the best the best clubs are low ceilings and you know where people are close together you know, which isn't going to happen for a little while, but there are some great clubs. I mean, um, you've got Denver, the comedy works downtown. One of the greatest clubs in the country, comedy seller, in New York, one of the greatest, the stand in New York, really good. Zany's Nashville, another great club. Charlotte has the comedy zone, which is a fucking another great club. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter if you've got 75 people or you've got 375 people it feels intimate and that's what makes a great club and you know i was lucky right before uh right as this thing hit i was out on the road opening for uh jeff ross and david tell i was doing the bump and mics tour and uh and so i was opening up that tour and we were doing theaters and we got to do some phenomenal theaters paramount and austin we did like San Antonio, Houston. We did we did one in Charlotte that was great. Um, we were set to do the Paps Theater in Milwaukee. I'm so fucking bummed that got canceled. But there's like there's some great old theaters out there that acoustically are still you know where if you could talk on stage without a mic and they can hear you in the back. That's what makes a good club is acoustics. You know, it's just like an it's just like a sports arena. You know, I mean, I'm sure like playing in Montreal or playing, you know, it, it's like there's some like I'm sure you played in the garden back in the day, you know, and playing in the garden had to be like had to be awesome, even though you were uh, probably not fun for a Detroit plant fan, you know, Detroit guy to be playing in Boston. Any, still, what any, a great- any, any of the ice surfaces that were smaller, like you're saying, like the venues was fit more my game, right? The less yeah. you had to skate and back more, like you said, because yeah. it's the acoustics, because the laughs are when, when you get a, a room and like you said, it's not about the people, but when you get them all involved and you get a room that the laughs carry, it just carries the whole great time. A room can really carry the mood. Uh, you yeah. know, just like listening to a great, great band, right? You yeah. put a great band in a great venue. It's phenomenal. You put a great band in a bad venue, you know, they can only play as good yeah. as the sound is. And it's sort of like that in comedy. And that's what I, I sort of learned, you know, where's the, yeah. you know, cause it's all about, it's not about the joke. It's about the timing and it's about where's the punchline yeah. and how are you going to hit this person and how it's so it's the, it makes so much sense of what yeah. rooms you enjoy more or what you get. So Absolutely. It's, like, Jay, it's like, what was your like ballparks hitting home runs? You know what I mean? You, you knew some, you just had to get it in the, 
you know, this yeah, alley he, was easier. He, he was sitting in left field. It was really center. porch because I didn't hit that many home runs. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, as but far as like a, the, an, um, an outside, because I know that out here, I believe it's called Starlight. I don't know. Um, I went and saw someone here. I can't remember who it was. But um, it's an outdoor venue. Is that kind of going around in the, um, like, I'm sure there's certain areas. Obviously, you were talking about, you know. There, the I mean, I find it, I find it difficult to do out now they they did a big uh they had a big tour a few years ago called the oddball comedy tour and it was like Chappelle and burr and i mean they had all these big acts but i mean it's a little bit it's difficult because you got to listen when you're doing you know people have to listen when they're doing comedy if you're sitting outside you know it, it's just it doesn't have that same feeling yes Probably the, one of the worst gigs I ever did was in Kansas City. I got asked to do a be, uh, a private. Uh, yeah, I got to yeah. do. I had asked to do a private um, corporate thing, and it was at Top Golf in Kansas City. Yes, so that and must they be had reason. that thing's only been here for like the last four or five years. Yeah, this was like probably three four years ago, and I was on the I was 150 yards out on a stage while everybody was all the way sitting back on the thing. There was a, a three-second delay from what I would oh. say into the microphone to where it would hit uh. back there. It was fucking awful. And I had to do 45 minutes, oh. and there was a guy standing in front of me with the camera. So I could I could see back behind. I could see the, the people, you know, and then I could hear them about five seconds later, later. laughing at a joke. And I was like... <laughs> This is awful, awful, man. Fucking kill me, man. It is at a time where it's like, okay, let me just get through this. Oh, yeah. I'm cashing, I'm cashing that check exactly. before I get to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you ever played Mark Ridley's in uh I never in, got in to play Mark Rid I never got to play his place. That's actually like literally that's like a mile from my house. <laughs> yeah. That's, Put in a good word for me there. Dude, it doesn't matter. He was in uh, camp by me. Love. You know what? He doesn't you know need to play Mark Grizzlies. He needs to come. Dude, he needs to come into town so I can open for him. That's what there he needs to do. There we go. Well, you know what we That's need to we'll do? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, as this goes, I'm going to throw that to my guy. Yeah. D-Mac, D-Mac, cool here's the court, deal. I'd love to do 10 minutes, 15 minutes for you. Tell a great. That would be awesome. see that. But D-Mac, this is what we need to do. We need to kick Dennis out of our foursome because. Court can golf. Oh. So now our scramble is unbelievable. I get the ball a long way. D-Max, pretty good. Court, you sound like you're really good. Then I'm sure Dimitri can do something. We need, so, well, Dennis, uh, Dennis, we need the manager. And we need the guy to remember the cigars. Yeah. But you know, we isn't it a force him, Because what we can do, we can just have Dennis drive the cart. All, that's all I do that's right now. That's what I'm saying, Jay. That's all Listen, I do. Like, I play ask Dennis. Yeah. Came off. That's why I was late. Um, I asked Dennis, I, I like to wander and walk and, and he's sort of a really good caddy. He's a way better caddy than a player. So we're all set boys. I can he, guess free golf. He, Dennis, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is you're always part of the team, bro. I appreciate it. Don't forget it. At least at I least. shot. I played today. As a matter of fact, I, I shot one under out at rustic today. Awesome. And that's a tough oh, You're a good player. Yeah. I used to, you're I caddied player. on the PGA tour for almost four years. What? Really? Did you, yeah. did, you get did you have any good have any good bags? Did, did you have lots yeah, of tickets? Yeah, I can see. Did you have ATMs. I caddied for I caddied for Jesper Parnovic and uh 2013 on PGA Tour. Then I caddied for him 2000 
How many how many dips? How many dips did he have during the round? Does he go through like two tens or he would go through he would jars. he would usually do he usually do one before and then usually one around nine or ten. <coughs> oh wow. And he just but he would put it, but they were yeah, big he, they were big ones. He goes topless. If he messed up on a hole, then he would take it out and put a new one in and start it. But if he was like boom, Par, I, caddied, I caddied for another yeah. Swede that had that dipped the biggest I've ever seen anybody in my life, and that's Freddie Jacobson. I caddied for Freddie on Whoa. PGA Tour in 2018, and this guy wow. used to dip so much that he literally had a hole. He had, I mean, he would put in. It looked like it looked like he got stung by a bee on the top of his lip, and it would look like it would look like a big thing on there. But I caddied for him. I did the Houston Open. I did the TPC, and I did uh, Louisiana. I did the um, tournament in uh, New Orleans. That's oh, that's how awesome, you did that. I've I've been friends uh, yeah, with Pornovic for 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 ever and ever and ever. We're we're really good friends. And in 2013, he was do he was on what's called a major medical. So he was only gonna he yeah. was allowed eight tournaments to make his card. And while I was, and so he came out to LA one weekend and uh, he was playing in the LA open and he called me and he goes, you know, Hey, you, will you caddy for me? And I was like, no, <laughs> fuck no. Like, I'm, not carrying like, that, no I'm not carrying that heavy ass bag around. I said, besides, I don't know anything. And he goes, you know, the course, you know, Riviera, you've played out there, you know, what's going on. He goes, just fucking carry the bag. You know, we're great friends. He goes, we'll have a good time. You know, I mean, I literally have watched, known him since his kids were babies. That's I spent awesome. Christmases at his house. And, and so he goes, yeah, so caddy for me. So I said, oh, fuck, I'll do it. So I caddied for him. We made the cut, made a little money. And then uh, a couple weeks later, I was doing a club. I was doing a comedy club in Dallas. And he called me. He goes, what are you doing next week? And I go, I got nothing. And he goes, I'm playing in Tampa. Come caddy in Tampa. He goes, I'm going to drive in. He goes, caddy for me and then we'll you can drive home with me and see the kids and hang out and then just fly home from from uh jupiter awesome so i caddied for him in tampa we made the cut made a little money and as we're driving home he's like why don't you just caddy for me the rest of the year and uh so i caddied for him and then we uh we had we had a good time i mean he didn't he didn't make his card but he ended up getting injured the next year anyway and then the next year he went out on champions tour and I caddied for him the whole year. Well, he fired me. Let's put it this way. He fired me mid season. And then he did two tournaments without me, went to Sweden for the summer. When he came back, he hired me again and I finished the season with him. Is he still doing it? Still yes. talking. Do you yeah. let him know that I would love to caddy for him <laughs> and I'll beat the shit out of anybody that tries to uh, be bodyguard caddy guy. Um, it's champion uh, story. You don't, in, he can put a dip don't let him it. know that I'm all in. He's into beating up all guys. Yeah, I, I'm all in. in. I am all in for that. So you let him know that I'm. If you still talk to him, I will caddy. I for talk him. to him all the time. Tomorrow. I will I caddy him for him tomorrow. He's got his guy now back on the bag. He's got yeah, to tell players. the guy to get out of here. I will do it tomorrow. First yeah. thing, yeah. guaranteed. I'll let him yeah, know. That's the kind of caddy you want, Jay. I will be the best caddy no, ever. Trust, trust, trust me. Court and I, I can understand why Court, he would like you as a caddy because, you, you know, 
A little okay. bit more laid that, back. The T-Mac. No, you let him know you tomorrow. Know next time you talk to him, that I will caddy for him, Swedes. and I'll guarantee it. He'll go win Augusta right now. He will no. go win win Augusta right now. <laughs> if I'm his caddy, or just nod silently. If yeah, you know that yeah. It's, I'm it's right. like you got it. If you understood Swedes, you'd understand it's not quite as much. That's fun. what I'm saying. Like I we, like he's one stuff. of my he's one of my all time closest friends. I was yes. I was. I was Toastmaster at his 40th birthday. Swedes are fucking psychos. Dude, they, uh, I'm a psycho. You're, you psychos. Are, can't buy me love. You get me to be a caddy, dude. I, I, <laughs> shit, what else do I got to do? I mean, hey, I will caddy for him. I will. I don't. I'm nuts to my. I, I've been hitting the head too many times by foul tips. I would love to caddy for him. And he'll, he'll go. I played in Augusta, an A ball, but. You couldn't get into the little thing. I'll, he'll win everything. I'll promise you. Let him know that. Just he tell him to take down. <laughs> Jay, guy, I, Jay, I'm going to give you a stat that you want to hear, right? Because of the four cups. Anytime I don't four cups need any up, stats. Right? I don't Listen, need any stats. I'm a great caddy. No, I I'm act. telling you. I, I get we're off that. I want to tell Court this. And Jay to realize is, right? There's five of us that won the four cups with Detroit. Chris Draper, Kirk Malpe, myself, the grind line, and Nick Lidstrom, the, one of the greatest yeah. fucking Swede defensemen. Yeah. And then Thomas Holmstrom, who's like, he's also Swedish. But, hey, Mac, you know, this is about me being a caddy right, right now. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's about listeners. the Swedes. This this this, this podcast is not. We got Court 14 listeners. 31, I want to be a caddy. Court brought three. We're getting you there. We're gonna find the right guy for you, Jay. Oh my God! Is that I don't even know the guy's would... name, but he's I, he's the right guy for me right now, and I'm the right guy for him right now. I'll guarantee you that because I love I her, man. I love her a lot. That's what he sounds like. I love her, man. I love her. Yeah, yeah. So, yo, Corp, <laughs> let's change the subject a little bit and put it back on you a little bit. And you you go from acting to comedy. Who were some of the guys on the scene that took you under your their wing when you decided to make the leap? Who, who kind of showed you the ropes? Because you're your mentors, essentially. In comedy? Yep. Uh, I'll tell you who was really good to me was um, Sam Tripoli was like one, like was like really fucking great with me. Bobby Lee was another one that really took care of me. Dice was probably one of the first people that took me on the road to do like big shows. Like I remember like I went to my hometown and got to open for dice in my hometown, which was a huge, huge deal. Um, there've been so many guys. Harlan Williams was like instrumental. Ren is easy. Still we're great buds. We, we, all we do is we go on the road so we can play golf together. Um, Sebastian was great to me. Um, there've been so many guys. I mean, you know, as far as like, at the comedy store, there's, there's just so many, you know, I mean, there's just so many great guys there, you know, that have always, you know, just been great. You know, um, you know uh, it seems, or, it seems or, like that though. Like every interview or whatever I hear, it always seems like comics. They are always, they, they, they have everybody's back and they always try to take care. And the reason I say this is, you know, as an older player and, and DMAC, you know what I'm talking about? you you, you, you become that, 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 I don't say mentor, but you be, you be, this is how you do it. This is the way you do it. This is the way you treat people, whether it be, you know, tipping clubhouse guys or that role model. I don't say role model leader, but D Mac, you know what I'm talking about? Um, that veteran, I guess. And well, every, 
it's comic that I've seen has, or I've heard has always just, said that they've always taken care of the younger guys and, and <coughs> helped out. And that's pretty cool. COVID. It's COVID. Blush, blush. No, no. no. Two's the weed, three's COVID. Um, okay. uh, no, here's here's the one thing I was going to ask you. Do you know Jay Chris Newberg? I do. I like Jay Chris. Yeah, he's a great he's, guy. He, he's a great buddy of mine. Yeah. Tell, tell him we were chatting when you were. I'm going to tell him I was chatting. Yeah, but so. So he's sort of a mentor, you know, of mine too, because he's from around here and that's sort of, um, you know, I, I had a show, years ago. I had a show and I got lucky because I was, I was doing comedy like two years, three, maybe two and a half, three years. And I ended up, I, I created my own show at the comedy store and then I ended up selling that show to the Maloof brothers in Las Vegas. So oh, I nice. had my, I had my own show at the Palms hotel in Las Vegas for nine years. It's called oh. the Playboy Playboy Comedy Tour. Playboy was my sponsor, and I used to do the morning show for Playboy Radio, and oh, and right. I ended up hooking up to those guys, and and ended up having Playboy as my sponsor. But I used to bring. I got so lucky because I had so many huge comics out there to play my room when they were on their way up, or they were, you know, I had Trevor Noah's first gig ever in the states was in my room. Um, wow. You know, I had Patrice O'Neill, Bobby Kelly, uh, Daniel Tosh, um, Sebastian, um, when he, nobody knew who Sebastian was, uh, Colin Quinn, um, you name it. Quinn. There's so many great comics that played that room. Um, Rogan used to play it all the time when he was doing UFC in Vegas. So I got, I got to meet a lot of people were really good to me and were really, you know, Harlan was another one who would come out and do my room. Um, you know, Tom Papa. I mean, I remember T Tom Papa was doing, did my show. And then three weeks later, he was opening for, um, Seinfeld at Caesars. Oh, and he, and he calls me up and he's like, bro, if you want to come backstage, come backstage. And so I, he, I knock on the side door at Caesars, you know, the Coliseum and pop opens the door and he comes and gets me. And, and, you know, before the show, I watched Tom perform from the side of the stage. And then Jerry comes out and there's like, you know, George Wallace is sitting there, a couple other people. And this is where Celine Dion performed. And mm -hmm. so the backdrop uh, was her thing. And while Seinfeld's on stage performing me and Tom Popper running around behind stage, doing pirouettes, silhouettes, just fucking off when uh, Seinfeld's on, just fun shit, you know? Okay. So, hey, I'm out. Yeah. Let's, let's get to the real shit now. Real stuff. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to curse. <laughs> Who are your biggest celebrity friends that you hang out with a lot? That's like cool stuff. Like, okay, so name drop on us, please, all you can, because that's what people really want to hear at the end of the day. No, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You, I'll, I'll name drop you. Ask me that same question. I'm, <laughs> I don't like people, but if you come on you're in hollywood you're in california i you know what it's like that it's not like it's not you know no i i would i it just to me that's like ugh. okay it, you guys were talking dmac was talking to you about earlier about um you know how was it with the stars and the hockey games and this and that and the lakers now obviously the lakers are the biggest thing out there the Dodgers no, are right no, what, what you're and the what kings you're, but what the question? The people, let me it, let me phrase the question for you, Jay. Well, uh, this is what about you going back to I'm from there, and okay, am I going to go to the Dodger game, or am I going to go down and walk on the strand? And oh, hey, there's Tom Cruise, or hey, there's uh, Denzel Washington. Oh my goodness, there's someone. I get it. I've been there and done that. 
So I just want to know who, who you, you're hanging with and who's cool and who's not. And sort of the people that are listening, the 12 that we have. Well, so I would say that so far that everybody I know, everybody that I run around with seems pretty cool. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't fucking run around with them. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want to run with a, run around with a bunch of D-bags. But um, no, man, I mean, it's like it is what it is. I, I don't have like what you want to call like famous celebrity friends. I have my friends, you know, and it's like in. No, I'm at the comp, been at the comedy store, been a regular there for 16 years. And it's, of course, it's who my, are the famous ones? Come on, name I, them. I don't, I don't, you know, look at a lineup I was on. Now, I, I don't know what to I'm tell you. They're, they're, I'm not, I, yeah, no, nah, I, I would love to do that, but I'm not like that. Uh, also, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll say this about court, and I, and I truly mean it. If you follow him on Facebook and you, you see some of the guys he runs around with, and, and, and for, I guess there's different levels of celebrities. For me, some of the guys I know he runs around with are celebrities. Uh, Steve Simone, I view him as a celebrity. Uh, love Steve Simone. Love him. He's the, hands down the nicest fucking person I've ever met anywhere. Hands down, the sweetest guy well, I've ever met. We need to get Steve Simone and Sean Casey on. We, we we've had Steve on. He was the guy. Well, but we need to have Sean Casey and Steve. I meant yeah. to say we need to have them on together because for a nice off. The nice off and see who's nicer because I've never seen anybody nicer than Sean Casey. You can punch him in the face and be like, "Oh, hey, that was a good one, man." Yeah, and, one Steve, of those guys. and Steve and Steve would just if you hit him in the face, he goes, "I'm so sorry that you're angry. What happened?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, we have to all of us get on a big zoom and have a nice off because yeah. that is Sean Casey to a T. Can I get yeah. some ice for your hand, sir? I mean, that yeah, would exactly. that would be Steve. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Sickler, guys like that. I fucking I, love Sickler. I do too. We 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 yeah. So these are you know in coming to courts. I guess defense on name dropping. Those are who I think are celebrities and he, they're, they're average people, great comedians. And those are the guys I geek out with. Steve Renazizi from the league guys like that. So I guess I'm answering your question for you. Uh, court. Sorry. Thank you. No, oh. I'm glad you answered it. Cause I have no answer for that. I would love I, to I, say I, that I hung out. I'm the, court, I don't I'm like the same people. Way. So I didn't hang out with anybody. I'm, I'm the same way. But see, Jason like to me, like I'll tell you, I'll tell you my biggest, people. I'll tell you my biggest celebrity thing ever. So, so I'm not, I've never been a big, like I've never been a, a huge, like I'm not in awe of a lot of stuff. But this was back in this was years ago. So 1985, I was working on a TV show called George Burns Comedy Week, and at, we we're at Universal Backlot, and every you know we were on this big soundstage, and every week was a different cast, different director. It was like. Remember Amazing Stories mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when they had it? So this was the same yeah. kind of show, but it was a comedy show and it was produced by Steve Martin and Carl Gottlieb. Carl Gottlieb wrote Jaws. And so these two guys produced this yeah. comedy, this comedy show it was a half hour. And, uh, and it was like, everybody was on it. Eugene Levy, fucking, oh. uh, Martin Mull, um, Don Knotts, Don Rickles, you know, just goes on and on and on. So one day I'm, we're on a soundstage and, I was, I was a stand-in. So I was part of the crew. So I was like 21 years old. And so I'm back there and we're like, we're on the back lot and we're throwing the football in between two sound stages. We're just, it's in, it's lunch. We're fucking tossing the football, having a good day, just having fun, laughing and everything. And this guy walks out of the sound stage 
And, and he's like, hit me. And, you know, and so one of the guys, and I was all the way on the other end and this guy throws down, hits him, you know, and the guy throws it, plays catch with, catch with us for about 15 minutes. It was Robert Redford. Oh. Now that, that yeah, was a fucking, oh, wow. now that was, that was like, I was like, That's holy awesome. fucking shit. That was Robert Redford. And he was that shooting, a, cool. he was doing a movie called Legal Eagles oh, with wow. Daryl Hannah. And he was, uh, and he was hanging out back there. There you go. Yep. Jason turning around for the podcast wearing his Wonder Boy shirt. Yeah, he was. And, and it was like that to me, that, that I was, I was G whizzed by that. I don't know if you guys saw what. I just did, but I just showed yeah. you my Roy Hobbs Wonder Boy. There uh, you go. Dennis sure. uh, did a good job of uh, narrating it. Um, orating when you narrating, narrating. So. Okay. You know, Court, on the flip side, and to kind of tie the last couple questions together, for me, I'm lucky. I do a podcast hey, with two baseball players, Darren McCarty, and we get to talk to some people that I normally wouldn't and normally What's do, that, bro? like you. We'll go to the porch. Uh, all right. And as he goes to the porch. No, no, I, sorry. Uh, yeah. D-Mac, we need a computer and we need like the, um, <laughs> you, we get your set of headphones. So when people do walk into the room, anyway, they already know you're going to go to the porch here shortly. Anyways, uh, the, you mentioned that you're buddies with a couple NHL guys. Have you ever done a stand up and you look out in the crowd and you go, wait a second, is that X, Y, and Z in, in, does it rattle you? Does it make you excited? Because, like I said, I get excited when I and I know these guys are friends. How about you? Um, not real, not as much. I will tell you the only time I've been, I was only time I've been scared is we were. I was with Sebastian and we were in Houston, Texas, and uh, we're doing it. We're doing it. The improv in Houston, Texas. And Sebastian always got like, I mean, JJ Watt was there and, and we were and it, and he came backstage and it was pretty cool. And then they came back and they said there was this guy there and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like, he was like a, a mob informant and he was like, a big, like and this, and this guy had like, this guy had murdered people. This guy was like known to have killed people. And, and he had been in witness protection in Houston and then they let him out and then somehow he got arrested for prostitution or something. So it became well known that this guy was in Houston and they said that he was there and they, and we came out and they go, where's he sitting? And they pointed to him back and, you know, he's like back in this booth. Well, when we walked out, he was in the very front row and it was like, this guy was in the front row with his mistress with his fucking right hand guy, his muscle guy, and somebody else. And he sat in the front row and this guy sat there stone faced the whole time till I made a joke about shiving somebody. And then he laughed out loud and it scared the fucking shit out of me. Cause I was like, this guy, this guy has, this guy has not only shiv people, he's actually executed people before. And I was like, and it kind of terrified me a little bit. I was like, this motherfucker is like, this is a real deal, man. That's when you want to go back to can't buy me love two or three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. when you want to go, fuck this man. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. did, did he come up to you after the show or no, I stayed backstage. I did not leave the fucking backstage wow. area after that. I fucking no way. Wow. Crazy. What, what, 
what helped you become an L.A. sports fan? Because I, I want to go back to sports. I hear the stories. I know Oklahoma didn't really have a ton of sports. We had nothing. We had we had no we had no professional football, baseball, basketball. We had nothing. We had absolutely nothing when I was growing up. So you know, and I was not, and I was never like a big, like I didn't I didn't buy into the Dallas Cowboys and didn't buy into all that. You know, it wasn't like that kind of guy. But I moved to I moved to California when I was twenty, and I just became this like you know it's the Dodgers the you know the Rams the you know and the the King you know, I just became this like where you could finally go see like I mean I didn't go to my first first professional football game until I was like twenty three twenty four years old, you know my first Dodger game you know my first professional you know to go to a, a real stadium. Not, you know, watch the Oklahoma City 89ers, you know. This yeah, because at that time, you had to, like, what, drive five hours to Kansas? Because I'm, I'm obviously out in Kansas. But, I mean, I'm trying to think of the what's closest, or St. Louis. or the closest was Dallas, three hours. Oh, okay. But, you know, but, you know, I grew up, oh, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a, in a family that was very into OU football, you gotcha. know. And I went to school at Oklahoma State. So, you know, when I was in college, our head coach was Jimmy Johnson, the assistant coach was Dave Wanestead. I mean, we had oh. Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas in the same backfield. Wow. I mean, we had it, but we still yeah. couldn't win anything. But, <laughs> um, but so, but yeah, but we didn't have any of that stuff, you know? So, you know, come out here and it's like, not only do you have it, but you have, you know, you get to go to, you get to go to the, you know, fucking forum and watch like real hockey, you know, real professional hockey. It was awesome, man. What was it like for you, D-Mac, going out to L.A. and playing hockey? Awesome. Awesome. The weather was great. There was always people in the stands. When you don't play there, you're gawking the stands all the time. And Dennis, you know, he already said this there, earlier. Like He's out of the uh, locker room after the game instantly so he can go hang out. What was it? What's, it was fastest. Fastest. It was uh, fastest we, out of the room. We had Brian Smolinski on a few about a couple months ago, and he was talking about how uh, when he was with the my Kings, boy man loves Smolinski. He was he was talking about when he was yeah. with the Kings, and it was him and was it Robotire? I'm trying to remember. The yeah, story. Luke Robotire. Luke Robotire. Yeah. And Robert out. Robert Tire Robert Tire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love listening to this because these are the guys that I kind of hung out with, but now I get to ask Dmac. No, I'm talking about Cork. I get to ask Dmac like, dude, how was Robotire? How was McSorley? How was, was my Robitaille was my roommate for the O2 Cup. I won a cup with him here in Detroit. I love awesome. uh Robert Robert Tire. We called him Turbo. Absolutely. Listen, we're, I'm the third worst practice player in history. Luke Robitaille is number two. Steve <laughs> Eisenman, he's number one. But Turbo and I, we were roommates for that 2002 Cup, and it was so awesome to you know to be able to win and he's great his wife stasha jesse the kids and stuff like that so i always wish him well he's just a great guy Cork, that's the stuff that i love like okay robotire i didn't know that i mean i i said hi to the guy a couple times I actually looked at his house one rubber in the fact that rubber, rubber tire whatever it may be <laughs> i get the, go, the inside scoop on who's good who's not because i have zero problem saying like oh, this guy's a jerk this guy's not a jerk well let but me no, ask let me ask oh, DMAC no. a question. I want to ask DMAC a question. So what do you think about now the way hockey is now? Because you were an enforcer. You were a guy that was out there. You know, you there, you know, 
teams had two or three enforcers, you know, back, you know, not even that long ago. I mean, talking seven, eight years ago, you know, and now there's maybe one guy and, and as you've seen, you know, they're not, they're not, I mean, they're not good fighters, you know, they fight, but they're not good fighters. But what do you, do you, do you like the way it is? I mean, I love the fact that there still is that, you know, there is still court court. It's not my game. The game's soft. You know, I grew up with, if you go through the middle with your head down, you may be, it's your own fault. You may be able to get mad at the defenseman that gave you the suicide pass. But now it's the kid that lines them up and hits them clean that gets suspended. So the game's soft. I don't like, but the game is entertaining, but it don't, don't, it's not the same game that we grew up loving, right? Where we're, but I think accountability, there's no accountability. Yeah, I think, so, I so, think, so the game's changed. So you don't need the enforcer. They've got that guy out of it, right? So now you got more of the little water bugs and the guys that are five under five foot 10 that can play this game. It doesn't matter. It's like size. You got to be fast. If you can skate now, you can play. It doesn't matter how big you are. But they're also the guys like, like, um, like Tyler Johnson, sh- small guy, very small guy plays for Tampa. You know, yeah. I know Tyler, he's a great guy, you know, whatever, but still a great tough player. fuck. He's a tough little fucker. Oh, oh, he's don't, not a, don't, don't yeah. get it wrong. Don't get it wrong. They're tough, but they're different tough. Because yeah. Because the different tough is like, yeah, they, they tough because they got to get hit and they play hard and stuff like this, but they don't, there's no respect or fear. But right? do there's you no see accountability to get your ass kicked? Yeah. You're tough. You play tough stuff like this, but you have no accountability that a guy like me is going to come out and shove his fist straight down your throat yep. for acting not right. You know? Yeah. That's but see, but, look. but then you got guys. So what do you look at guys like Wilson plays for Washington? Who's Love a cheap. Him. You love him. I, I, I find him. him. I, I find him as yeah, a little. I, 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 now listen, he's a little bit over the edge, right? He's a little. He, but I don't. I don't mind the hard hits, and I don't mind all the shit he's delivering. I don't like the cheap shot shit. I don't like the cheap shots either. I'm not a cheap shot guy. So anybody yeah. who tell me who it is that does a cheap shot, that's fine. But what I do like is where does he play? Top yeah. line with a Vetchkin. So he's yeah. got skill. So yeah. He, but he's he's a one of the last few that it has that all around. Um, ability, the power forward, like like back yeah. before that that sort of, right? Like yeah, the the cheapness, no, like when that's not nowhere in the game. Right? I think because he's cleaned it. I think he's I think he's cleaned it up in the last year or so. I think he definitely saw it was definitely. I mean, he was getting suspended so many fucking games that he was like, I can't keep playing like this. But I do I do like to see like um I do like that there's still toughness in the sport and, and hey, it, they're, they're not pussies so. Happened? 